The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon and welcome to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community. Your host is Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. This hour is designed to inspire, inform, and to help you live better with cancer. Now, here's your host, Kim Tibaldo. Welcome to Frankly Speaking About Cancer, an internet show that focuses on informing and inspiring people to live well with cancer. I'm your host, Kim Tebaldo, CEO of the Cancer Support Community. The wellness community and Gilda's Club have united to become the Cancer Support Community, one of the largest providers of cancer support in the United States and around the world. Our services are offered at more than 100 locations worldwide and online at www.cancersupportcommunity.org. Today's show is sponsored in part by Lilly Oncology and AstraZeneca. Gastric cancers, meaning those that originate in the stomach, esophagus, or the junctions of these two organs, account for about 37,600 cancer diagnoses in the U.S. each year. Uh, until the 1930s, this diagnosis was actually the leading cause of cancer death in the U.S., and today it is still estimated to be the fourth most common type of cancer worldwide. However, there is still much to be learned about this uh, cancer type and about how the patient experience uh, is with this type of cancer. We have three guests joining us today to help us understand uh, all of the aspects of stomach cancer from diagnosis to treatment, survivorship, awareness, and beyond. Our first guest is Commander Rachel Lopez. Rachel is a clinical research dietitian at the National Institutes of Health Clinical Center. Commander Lopez is uh, also an officer in the United States Public Health Service. She received her BS in dietetics from Cornell University, her MPH from George Washington University, and completed her dietetic internship at the NIH. Rachel is a certified specialist in oncology and nutrition, currently working with adult surgical oncology patients. Thank you for joining us, Rachel. Thank you. Also joining us is Dr. Bill Shellman, MD, PhD. Dr. Shellman uh, joined the Lilly Oncology team as the USGI Oncology Lead in July 2014 and subsequently assumed the role of Senior Director of U.S. Oncology Medical Affairs in October 2015. Prior to starting at Lilly, Bill was an associate professor at the University of Wisconsin Carbone Cancer Center in Madison, Wisconsin, where he was the leader of the Gastrointestinal Oncology Working Group and co-director of the UWCCC Translational Science BioCore. He was also actively involved in the experimental therapeutics and early drug development programs. His research is focused on identifying specific molecular markers and therapeutic targets for detection and uh, treatment of um, hepatocellular carcinoma and colorectal cancer. Welcome to the show, show, Dr. Shulman. Thank you, Kim. And finally, we have Debbie Zellman. In 2008, Debbie was diagnosed with stage 4 stomach cancer and and told she only had a 4% chance of being alive in five years. But she refused to become a statistic and immediately began to educate herself about this disease and to seek the best available care. This inspired her to found Debbie's 
Dream Foundation Curing Stomach Cancer to aggressively and immediately fund research into innovative, progressive, and cutting-edge treatments for stomach cancer to improve the diagnosis and treatment, raise awareness, and provide information and assistance to stomach cancer patients, their families, and caregivers. Since her diagnosis, Debbie has had seven recurrences, four of which have been in the last two years, and Debbie continues to receive treatment today. It is her dream that with increased funding, more treatments for stomach cancer will become available sooner and a cure will be found. Hi, Debbie. Hi, thank you for having me. Thanks for being here. Um, we've got a lot to cover today. I want to jump in. I want to start with you, Dr. Shellman. Um, uh, let's start with the basics. Can you tell our listeners what stomach cancer is? Sure. So stomach cancer is a cancer that comes from the lining of the stomach. So if you think of the digestive tract as starting with the swallowing tube or esophagus, then leading down into the stomach or the balloon just below the esophagus where food is collected, there's a lining of the stomach that's involved in helping with digestion in terms of secreting um, juices and, and helping to break down food. And stomach cancer starts in the lining of the stomach in those cells. Now, when we talk about stomach cancer, we not only refer to the, the cancers that come from the stomach, but also from the part just above the stomach where the esophagus or swallowing tube meets the stomach, and that's called gastroesophageal junction tumor. But just to clarify, Dr. Shellman, I know sometimes this stomach cancer can be confused with other types of cancer. How does it, it, it differ from or, you know, is, is it related to other cancer types, like, for example, esophageal cancer that I know some of our patients have or have heard of? Yeah, that's a good question and one that comes up often in the clinic. So the cancers that arise from the esophagus um, often behave differently, and although some of the treatments are the same, um, they respond differently to treatment, and sometimes they have different outcomes from therapy. So when we talk about treatment of stomach cancers, we talk about um, the, the um, stomach itself and, again, the, the junction just above the stomach. So tell us, Dr. Shaman, about uh, the common symptoms of, of stomach cancer. What are some of the symptoms, and, and going the step further, then, how, how, how is stomach cancer diagnosed? Are there, are there medical tests, blood tests? Can you give us a little bit more of that background? Sure. So stomach cancer is a cancer that unfortunately doesn't develop symptoms early. So again, if you think of the stomach as being a balloon sitting just um, on the left side of the abdomen, as a tumor grows on the inside of the stomach, it doesn't often cause symptoms because it doesn't push on anything. It, it doesn't um, uh, hit any cells that cause uh, pain. And so as the cancer cells grow and the tumor grows, then symptoms start. So unfortunately, um, sometimes with stomach cancer, we don't catch it at, at um, an early enough stage. But that being said, when, with early uh, stomach cancer, some of the symptoms that people could have are heartburn or indigestion, upset stomach, maybe some, some mild nausea and loss of appetite, uh, sometimes feeling full a little uh, early, uh, and uh, maybe a little bit, maybe a little bit of discomfort. As the the cancer grows, it can start to involve more of the stomach, or or affect surrounding organs, or even move to other organs. And with the more advanced cancer, some people can have um, um, more vomiting, feeling full earlier after eating, noticing dark stools or uh, blood in the stools, because as the the tumor can grow through the lining of the stomach, it can affect uh, blood vessels, cause ulcers that bleed. 
And then if cancer, if stomach cancer moves to other organs, um, it can also uh, cause uh, pain in bones, for instance, if it goes to the bone or if it goes to the abdomen, it can cause bloating or fluid. And now sometimes with stomach cancer, if they come towards the, the top of the stomach, uh, towards the esophagus, there can also be trouble swallowing. In terms and of so, diagnosis, it, yeah, yeah, the diagnosis. Yeah, let's let's talk a little bit about that because, well, boy, some of those symptoms sound very general or like they could be really a wide range of things, right? Absolutely. So if people come in, a, a, a common um, report or common symptom that they that people talk about would be um, upset stomach or bloating or perhaps trouble swallowing. And, and one of the first things that that we'll do is first of all. Um, get some blood tests. We look at blood counts and specifically looking at red blood count or the the oxygen-carrying um, cells to see if there's a little bit of anemia. Again, sometimes if the, the stomach cancer is growing uh, into the stomach, um, it can cause anemia. Um, if we, do, uh, if we want to look further for a stomach cancer, one of the first invasive tests that's done is something that's uh, called um, uh, an EGD or a scope that is put down through the mouth uh, into the esophagus and then look into the stomach to actually physically look around for a tumor. If a tumor or bleeding is seen, then one of the things that, that can be done with the scope is a biopsy, and that, that's actually important for, um, for a diagnosis. So not all, um, not all people who have um, bloating or symptoms in the stomach necessarily have a cancer, but they can have other causes. So it's important to get that biopsy uh, to find out mm-hmm. what it is, and then if it's a cancer, to make sure that we understand uh, what type of cancer it is. So the most common diagnosis is that sco- way to diagnose is that scope that goes down and looks in the stomach for an actual tumor. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, uh, Debbie Zellman, I know obviously this is very personal to you. As I said in my opening, you were diagnosed um, with stomach cancer in 2008. Before we go to our first break here. Can you take us back and and tell us your story? Of course. And again, thank you for having me. So when I was diagnosed, I was only 40. Um, The mother of three young children, my twins were 10, my little one was three, married to a physician and a practicing attorney with my own farm. And my life changed dramatically. I was diagnosed with stage four stomach cancer. Um, I had some of those vague symptoms that Dr. Shulman discussed. My main one was the trouble swallowing. Um, and so I was diagnosed with a lot of the things the doctor just referred to. I was told that my cancer was inoperable and incurable, and that I would need chemotherapy for the rest of my life, uh, which they didn't quite explain at that time meant meaning I wouldn't live very long. At the time of my diagnosis, there were very few treatment options for advanced stomach cancer because it's just not a common cancer in the U.S., although, as you referred to earlier, it's um, very, very common worldwide. But a new treatment for stomach cancer had not been approved for more than 30 years when I was diagnosed. Um, so I was mm. told that my chance of being alive in five years was only 4%. I realized that there were no resources available for stomach cancer patients and their families, but I refused to become a statistic. I immediately began to educate myself about the disease and seek the best available care. And then as I responded to treatment, the ones that they had out there, um, I decided I could make a difference in the treatment options for others, for stomach cancer patients that were coming after me by using my education, my experience, and my contacts in the community. 
as I mentioned, I was an attorney. I had my law degree from the University of Miami and my undergrad from Emory University. I had previous fundraising experience as well as business experience from running my own law practice for 10 years. And I realized that when you're diagnosed with a deadly cancer, especially at stage four, there's a real sense of urgency for the person living with that cancer. And the cancer takes a huge toll on the cancer's patient's family. And so those factors all motivated me to start the foundation, um, which I did a year later. So I started getting... Yes, and we are... Yeah. yeah, and I and I, I know we're going to have a little time today, Debbie, to talk more about the um, the foundation and the important work um, the important work that you're doing. And I certainly yeah, uh, want to make sure that our listeners can learn more about the foundation, how they can how they can find you, how they can get involved, how they can share their stories. Um, it's a, a, an important part, uh, certainly, of our conversation today. Um, we're coming up on a quick break. Uh, this is frankly speaking about cancer. Um, our episode today is is really in honor of our cancer experience registry. Um, we, we've launched uh, a cancer experience registry, and we've launched a new specialty registry for stomach cancer. Um, our registry is uh, actually available for any person with any kind of cancer at any stage of their of their disease. Um, you can join us at www.cancerexperienceregistry.org where you can uh, share information about your cancer experience, tell us what some of your challenges uh, have been, and, and uh, really give us some feedback about uh, what we can be doing as a cancer community to better serve the needs of patients and families. So, again, we're launching a new registry for stomach cancer. Um, if you uh, visit us at www.cancerexperienceregistry.org, you can join that and join uh, and join the conversation and uh, and be a part of our uh, of our registry. This is frankly speaking about cancer. Um, today we are talking uh, about what you need to know about stomach cancer. We have uh, three great guests with us today. We have a lot of ground that we want to cover. We're going to take a quick break, and we will be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Effective cancer treatment requires more than just medication or surgery. For the country's 12 million cancer survivors and their loved ones, the social and emotional challenges of adapting to life with cancer are ongoing. How to handle co-workers' questions, how to get comfortable with new physical realities, how to reassure worried family members, or explain to friends your priorities have changed. The Cancer Support Community is ready to help by providing free counseling, education, and hope for survivors and their caregivers. Whether online or at over 100 locations around the world, the Cancer Support Community is ready to offer the support you need to live a better life with cancer. For more information on support groups, publications, nutrition, exercise programs, and more, call 1-888-793-9355. Or visit us online at www.cancersupportcommunity.org. That's cancersupportcommunity.org. The Cancer Support Community, a global network of education and hope. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. 
Now here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. Welcome back to Frankly Speaking About Cancer. I'm your host, Kim Tibaldo. Today's show is sponsored in part by Bristol-Myers Squibb and Insight Corporation. Joining us today, we have Rachel Lopez, Clinical Research Dietitian at the National Institutes of Health, Dr. Bill Shellman, a gastrointestinal oncologist and U.S. GI oncology lead at Lilly Oncology, and Debbie Zellman, president and founder of Debbie's Dream Foundation. In uh, the segment now, we want to talk a little bit more about um, treatment and about living well um, with stomach cancer. So, Rachel, let me turn to you. Um, it almost goes without saying you know, that your stomach plays a, a big role and function in your everyday life. Um, how can stomach cancer impact these um, functions? And you know, what are some of the tips for managing daily life with this disease? Sure. So the stomach plays a big role and function in everyday life because food and eating is so important for many of our daily activities. We often structure our entire day around meals, going several hours without eating, and then taking breaks for a large meal. People often share evening meals with family and friends to reconnect after the day. In addition to daily meals, think about all the time social events revolve around food. Dinners with colleagues, birthday parties, holidays, anniversaries, just to name a few. The stomach plays a big role in this normal meal pattern because the stomach holds a large amount of food, which allows us to eat a full meal. Without a normal stomach capacity, it can be hard to eat a meal comfortably. During or after treatment or after surgery, it can also be hard to digest certain foods. This may mean that people with stomach cancer need to eat at different times or eat different foods. As a result, some people describe feeling isolated or burdensome to friends and family who have to make them separate or special meals. As an example, I'm working with a gentleman who recently completed treatment but is still having trouble tolerating many foods due to nausea, and he often feels full quickly. His wife has a very busy work schedule, so their only time together is in the evening, and their evening meal is very important to them. The patient can't tolerate his meals that his wife prepares and that he used to enjoy. He doesn't want to burden his wife, though, by asking for a different meal. As a result, he is eating very little, and he's continuing to lose weight. So in my role as a dietitian, I'm working with the patient and family to find foods that he can tolerate and that both he and his wife enjoy. I'm also providing education and counseling on the need for a different meal and snack pattern before, during, and after treatment. Overall, it's most important to understand that nutrition is essential to keep the body strong for treatment or surgery and to help heal. Yeah, I think that's uh, some good information, Rachel, and I think, you know, certainly an important part of the conversation. You know, we know that a healthy diet is is important for, you know, anyone living with cancer. It's important for, for all of us, those with or without cancer, but I imagine maybe especially critical, you know, for people with, with stomach cancer. So, um you know, do folks with stomach cancer, I mean, are the, you know, dietary concerns around making sure they're getting healthy food, they're getting, uh, you know, proper nutrition, you know, what are, what are some of the tips that you give to folks with stomach cancer to manage their concerns and to really try to maintain a healthy diet? Sure. So as Dr. Shellman mentioned, one of the main uh, side effects or symptoms can be feeling full very quickly. When people mm. feel full very quickly, they can't finish their meals. And over time, this leads to unintentional weight loss. When people lose weight because they're unable to eat, they lose more lean body mass or muscle mass than they would if they were losing weight by dieting and exercise. 
during and after certain treatments, people can experience the additional side effects Dr. Shellman mentioned, such as nausea, vomiting, uh, poor appetite, which makes it even more difficult to eat enough to maintain weight and to maintain a good nutritional status. In these situations, a healthy diet means one that is high in calories and high in protein to help regain weight. This does not mean eating fast food and traditional junk food all day, but it may mean choosing full-fat versions of dairy products, high-protein foods such as nuts, nut butters, beans, cheese, eggs, and meat, instead of lower-calorie foods such as fruits and vegetables. Every mm-hmm. person's nutrition needs are different, though, so it is important that people with stomach cancer work with a dietitian to find a plan that is suited for them. When people can't eat enough to maintain their weight, they often can't eat the type and variety of foods to meet their vitamin and mineral needs either. This puts people at risk for nutrition deficiencies. Therefore, some people may need to take certain vitamin supplements. I always caution, though, that people should talk to a doctor or dietitian mm-hmm. before starting any supplement. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So those are, I think, really good tips and, and um, you know, good advice. And certainly, Rachel, you're on the front line with patients, helping them manage through um, through some of these issues. Um, Dr. Shaman, we talked a little bit in the beginning of the show about how stomach cancer is um, is diagnosed. Let's talk about treatment. You know, Debbie mentioned when she was diagnosed, there hadn't been a new treatment on the market for many, many years. Um, where are we today, Dr. Shellman? How is stomach cancer treated? What are some of the different treatment options that are available for these patients? Yeah, so with, with any cancer, the first question we ask is whether or not we can cut the cancer out or get rid of it. Um, and the main objective is to find out if the cancer can be cured by, by cutting it out. So. One of the first things that we look at is whether or not um, surgery is an option. And to do that, we do things like CAT scans, um, imaging to look to see if the tumors um, spread beyond the stomach or into in other organs. If the stomach cancer appears to be localized, then, then surgery, which is an operation where an incision is made um, at the lower part of the esophagus and then at the lower part of the stomach and and the intestine is pulled up into the esophagus can be performed to, to um, get rid of the stomach cancer. With some cancers that are higher up in the stomach, um, before surgery, uh, we can even think about giving radiation along with chemotherapy to shrink the tumor down before surgery. Now, if the cancer cannot be cut out and if the cancer has spread, as Debbie alluded to earlier, our goals shift from getting rid of the cancer to helping um, the person live as long as possible with the cancer um, with the best quality of life and keeping the cancer under control. And that's where things like um, chemotherapy or new, some of the new targeted agents come in um, to treat the cancer, to shrink it down, to help people feel better, um, and to help keep the cancer under control. And, and Dr. Shaman, are we seeing... Uh, are we seeing progress in this area? Are we seeing good clinical research? I mean, what can we expect for the for the future of, of stomach cancer treatment? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, stomach cancer, as Debbie alluded to earlier, was a cancer that unfortunately we didn't have a lot of treatment options. But but the options are are growing. Um, so we are seeing new types of agents, new types of therapies. Um, new ways to attack the cancer, um, and we're also able to look at cancer genes, so, so ways that the cancer may be abnormal, and find out if that can give us clues into any therapies that we can direct specifically toward a specific mutation or a specific way that a cancer cell 
um, uh, went haywire, if you will. So we we do we do have more treatment options, and, and certainly uh, for many of us, we believe that patients who um, with with um, stomach cancer should also think about clinical trials because we certainly also need to get smarter in treating these cancers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, D- Debbie, tell us what tips do you have for someone who's making a decision about their uh, their treatment, and, and and what tips do you have really for communicating with the doctor with the healthcare team? Right. So I think you're asking just such a great question, Kim, um, because I always say that the patient has to be their own best advocate. They have mm-hmm. to become as informed as they can about their cancer. Um, the cancer support community, Debbie Stream Foundation, and other resources like that are just so important to educate yourself. But really, you have to work so closely with your doctors and members of your treatment team. Uh, they will also, of course, have a clinical understanding of the diagnosis and options available to you. With the Internet, of course, and like I said, resources available, it's important to educate yourself as well. I really believe that um, asking good questions and having the conversations with your doctors is so important. And it's really a great idea to bring somebody with you to your appointment. And it doesn't have to be the same person to every appointment, but Mm -hmm. to bring another set of ears, another person who can be taking notes. Um, I found, I I brought my dad or my husband, who are both physicians, but I found that sometimes I would talk to a friend on the phone even before my appointments, and she'd ask such basic questions that even I didn't think of them. And I'd say, oh, that's a great question, and I'd write it down. So those kinds of things are really helpful. Um, You can also ask your doctor if you can take notes or even record your appointment. Um, Mm -hmm. Sometimes a doctor might not like that, but sometimes doctors really do like that. Um, They know there's a lot of information to take away from those appointments, and they might be fine with you leaving and listening to that appointment again. So you can definitely ask to do that. Um, And they know it's very difficult to remember everything that was discussed. In addition to choose a treatment option that's best for you, don't be afraid to ask questions, like Dr. Shulman said, about clinical trial options. And remember to speak up for yourself. I think those are all um, certainly very, uh, very important tips. Debbie, before we go to the break, we've only got a quick uh, minute or two here before the break, but are you and your foundation feeling hopeful about the treatments that are being studied, about the treatments that are in the pipeline, about the promise of better treatments for the future? You know, that's it's really also a good question. I feel that right now cancer is in such a great place with the moonshot, with everything that's being devoted to cancer research that uh, even though stomach cancer has been an under-researched cancer, we are now, as a foundation, bringing a lot of noise and a lot of attention to stomach cancer. And I think that it's important for all stomach cancer patients to circle back with people like like your foundation, like my foundation, um, to find out what are the newest treatments. You know, there's new treatments coming out that we don't know about that are in those mm-hmm. clinical trials or that have just been approved. I think the first one was just approved two years ago for stomach cancer and had been mm-hmm. three years, as well as the HER2 positive um, treatments as well. So there is yeah. some hope. Yep. Um, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think that uh, it is important for us to keep track of that information, to keep the information coming coming forward to patients. Um, Debbie, I also want to, you know, refer folks to the uh, to our Cancer Experience Registry, um, cancerexperienceregistry.org. I know we're working together with your foundation to bring, uh, to bring patients to that registry, to have them join, 
to share their experience, to tell us about their concerns. And it's also a great vehicle for us to reach back out to patients to tell them about breakthroughs and, and, uh, and new developments. We've got a lot more to talk about with our guest today. We're talking about stomach cancer. This is Frankly Speaking About Cancer. Uh, we're going to take a quick break here, but don't go away. We will be right back. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Cancer Support Community is proud to be a partner of Magnolia Meals at Home, a new pilot program that aims to help patients by providing nourishing meals to households affected by breast cancer so loved ones can spend more quality time together. This program is currently available in and around two pilot cities, Andover, Massachusetts, and Woodcliffe Lake, New Jersey. Participants will receive one delivery of meals every month for up to six months when enrolled in the program. Each delivery includes up to seven meals designed to help meet the nutritional needs of people living with breast cancer and 10 meals for family members. This novel program is brought to you by the AZI Women's Oncology Program, Magnolia. Cancer Care the Cancer Support Community, and Meals on Wheels Association of America. To find out if you or loved ones are eligible, visit online at www.magnoliamealsathome.com or call 617-733-5848. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. We're back with Frankly Speaking About Cancer. I'm your host, Kim Tibaldo. Today's show is sponsored in part by Taiho Oncology, Inc. and Celgene Corporation. Joining us today is Rachel Lopez, clinical research dietitian at the National Institutes of Health, Dr. Bill Shellman, a gastrointestinal oncologist and USGI oncology lead at Lilly Oncology, and Debbie Zellman, president and founder of Debbie's Dream Foundation. I, I want to talk a little bit uh, in this segment about um, awareness and, uh, and education and awareness and how we reach people with the right information. Um, Dr. Shellman, let's start with you, but I'm also going to ask uh, Rachel and Debbie to jump in on the conversation. But I, I want to do some myth busting here, Dr. Shellman. Can you tell us some of the most common uh, myths or misconceptions surrounding stomach cancer? Sure. And this is a, this is a good point to talk about. So some of the, some of the things that um, uh, are worth thinking about are, uh, first of all, people have heartburn. It, it, it doesn't necessarily mean that, that we have cancer. There are certainly a number of other reasons to, to have heartburn. But it's also important to recognize that, um, that uh, cancer isn't as uncommon as people think. And so if people have symptoms that persist or don't seem right, it's important to, to um, have that evaluated. Um, the other thing is that um, stomach cancer, uh, some people uh, feel that stomach cancer is incurable, but as we find ways to, to detect cancer earlier, as we find new and better ways to, to treat stomach cancer, certainly um, we, can, we are increasing uh, the a number of patients who can have surgery. Um, and the, and the, other, um, the other important thing to, to um, recognize, and, and Rachel and Debbie can speak to this, is 
Um, you know, people can live without their stomach. Um, as we've heard, nutrition is important and eating is important, but with, with surgery uh, and proper treatment, uh, people can uh, live fulfilling lives after um, therapy for uh, stomach cancer. So those are some important things to, to think about. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, Debbie, do you want to you want to jump in here? What are what are some of the other myths that folks kind of have about stomach cancer? Misunderstandings? Are there kind of questions that people ask you that that you know that kind of lead you down the road to to some of those misunderstandings? I think that Dr. Shulman hit on a, a lot of the good myths um, about stomach cancer. I think one really good one is um, that it, it isn't as uncommon as people think it is. About 26,000 Americans will be diagnosed with stomach cancer this year. But unfortunately, because of the lack of awareness, they don't realize, like, I was 40, I had trouble swallowing. It's not what you normally think of. And they dismiss it as stress. Um, and, you know, it was stage four. So I think that Becoming more aware is really important so that people can detect it. It can be checked earlier and therefore curable for those people who, who um, do have their stomachs out, who can live without their stomachs, and can be hopefully cured of stomach cancer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So why don't we use this, this moment, Debbie, to, to talk a little bit more about your, your foundation. Tell us about why you chose to found um, Debbie's Dream Foundation. Tell us about current, current initiatives that you have going on to, to uh, educate patients, to do outreach to patients, and really how patients can learn more about you. Definitely. And, and to transition from the, the myths, one, another thing that Debbie's Dream Foundation is doing and that I think is a myth that a lot of Americans have is that they, their vote doesn't count, their voice doesn't count. So I'm going to transition and say, that a myth um, that we deal with at WC Foundation is advocacy. It's a really big part of our mission, um, along with raising, raising awareness, along with funding research directly, and providing education and support. We also advocate in Washington, D.C. every year to raise awareness and increase federal funding for stomach cancer research. And solely due to the efforts of the Debbie Stream advocates, Stomach cancer has now been included as one of the 11 cancers in the Department of Defense peer review cancer research program. And that was increased due to our advocacy from 25 million to 50 million. So from the voices of the advocates by raising awareness and getting out there, meeting us in DC, um, you really can have a voice. And Debbie Stream has absolutely made a huge difference by the millions of dollars in gastric cancer funding. In addition, something really important part of our mission is our education and support. We have a patient resource education program. We call it PrEP, and it's all free. Everything is free. We have symposia. We have peer-to-peer mentoring. We have webinars. Um, we have lecture libraries and blogs, a cancer support uh, community. And it's, it's incredible. We have a clinical trials matching service, and people are really matched very specifically with mentors based on stage, biomarker, age, gender, region, role. It's really important, as somebody mentioned earlier, that you don't feel alone. I think Rachel mentioned that it's very isolating to be diagnosed with this disease. And this is something that Debbie Stream Foundation is here to change and make a difference for, um, is to match those people up, have them go through the journey together. And um, information can be obtained at our website at www.debbiestream.org. Great. 
terrific. And I think those are some important calls to action in terms of ways that folks can learn more, find the resources, find the support, get involved, become advocates. Um, I, I, you know, I think it's uh, incredible work that you're um, uh, that you're doing, um, Rachel. I just I just want to turn to uh, some other practical ways to you know improve the experience for for patients, um, you know, with, with stomach cancer. And again, you as a, as a dietitian, the nutritional work that you're doing, I think that, um, uh, there's so much important work that you're doing that really goes directly to this experience for patients. Can you tell us, uh, uh, some other tips and, and, and information that you're providing to patients to help improve their path? Absolutely. Well, I agree with Debbie's points to ask questions. Uh, both to members of your healthcare team and to support groups. Uh, it's very important to find tips that have worked for other patients that may work for you and for family members of caregivers. Likewise, to share your wisdom, talk to support groups and to members of your healthcare team about tips that have worked for you and your family. Uh, because eating is so integral uh, to staying strong through treatment and recovering from surgery, I do always recommend to ask to speak to a registered dietitian. Dietitians who specialize in oncology nutrition are called CSOs or certified specialists in oncology nutrition. You can find a dietitian online at the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics website or your uh, oncologist can refer you to a dietitian. And Rachel, I'm not sure if you know the answer to this um, to this question, but are those kinds of services usually covered by health insurance seeing a nutritionist or a dietitian? Is that something that, you know, folks can expect? I mean, obviously every plan is different and folks need to call and, you know, and check on that. But is that is that something that folks need to dig in on and find out if those services are actually covered by their insurance? Uh, I would recommend checking with your insurance company, but uh, in my understanding, if it goes through a referral for a, an active treatment, it should be covered by most insurance plans. Okay. All right. Great. But uh, again, important that folks call and check on that, um, and, and just make sure that that's you know part of your care and part of your, uh, you know, part of your insurance coverage. These are, I think, important questions for folks to ask. Um, Dr. Shellman, other other thoughts, other tips about improving the um, experience for uh, for patients when they're diagnosed uh, with this cancer. Yeah, I think that Debbie and Rachel spoke to many important um, many important um, things to remember, but. The most important thing is to, to to be your own advocate. The treatment of stomach cancer is it can be specialized. It can require specialized surgeons, specialized um, uh, radiation oncologists, and specialized oncologists. And so, it's important to get um, all the answers, all of the answers before you start treatment. Um, anytime somebody's diagnosed with cancer, there's an urgency to start something. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's also an urgency to start the right thing. Um, and so mm-hmm. I can't emphasize enough with stomach cancer to make sure that you reach out and, and make sure that all of the questions are answered and that, that um, you feel comfortable with, with the plan um, that's being proposed um, and that you feel confident in, in the way that um, you're moving forward with your treatment. And Dr. Shelvin, t- talk about, um, because this is a very specialized uh, area, one of the things that we often tell patients is to really look at getting a second opinion and perhaps if needed, maybe at a, at a larger, you know, academic center. Is that something you agree with, that you concur with? Is second opinion important um, with this type of cancer? 
Uh, yes, yeah, second opinion is, is very important. And, and I, I worked at a large academic center, and I commonly had um, patients ask if they could go talk um, with somebody else. Um, this is a diagnosis that, that matters. You want to feel comfortable and confident that when you're moving forward that, that the plan that's being discussed um, makes sense. And, again, when you're talking about potential surgery followed by radiation or life-changing decisions, you just want to feel uh, comfortable that you're making the right decision. So I always encourage second opinions, and, and many times we can learn from second opinions. And, and I would what agree about that, Kim? Is, Say it again. Debbie, I would agree with that, Kim. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. Speaking from a patient's point of view and having talked to many, many patients, um, I just think Dr. Shulman is really hitting the nail on the head that as a patient, you have to feel really confident in the yeah. opinion in your doctor. Um, but with stomach cancer being that it's a smaller population cancer in the U.S., you want to make sure that you're going to a physician who uh, has seen other stomach cancer patients before because, like we said earlier, the treatments are changing. The clinical trials are coming down, and we yeah. do want them, we do want patients to know about those. And that's the way to find out about it is from your, usually from your treating physician. Yeah, yeah, I think it's a it's a great point, and I think Debbie, it's your other point, the issue about clinical trials, and that you know, and that's also another important question for patients to ask when diagnosed is is you know might might there be a clinical trial that's right for me? And I think a lot of patients have misconceptions about trials. Patients think you're going to get a placebo in a in a cancer treatment trial, which you're not. Patients think that you're not treated well in a in a, in a trial, which again the data shows that patients who've participated in clinical trials have had a very positive um, experience. And it may be that you're going to get the next, you know, latest and greatest cutting edge therapy through a trial. There may, might not be a trial. Not everyone qualifies, but it is important to A, get a second opinion. B, ask, might there be a clinical trial that's right for me? And can we have that, uh, can we have that conversation? So um, a lot that we're covering today, we're uh, talking about stomach cancer, everything that you need to know about stomach cancer. Um, we have a lot more information that we're going to cover. And we're going to, again, tell you about some additional resources that are out there for patients, uh, for family members, for for for, uh, for caregivers, and really, we certainly want folks to know that they do not have to face this diagnosis alone. This is frankly speaking about cancer. We're going to take a quick break. Don't go away. We will be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash Voice America. People living with breast cancer often find it difficult to ask for help, and many of the people in their lives want to help but don't know how. During National Breast Cancer Awareness Month, Cancer Support Community is proud to support Meal Trains sponsored by Magnolia, which utilizes Mealtrain.com, a free shared online calendar to streamline the process of giving and receiving meals for families coping with breast cancer. Help us reach our goal of 1,000 new breast cancer-specific meal trains this October. To learn more, visit Mealtrain.com slash MMT and enter the code MAGNOLIAB or visit us at CancerSupportCommunity.org. Hi, I'm Nick Nicolaitis, President and CEO of Morphotech, and we're delighted to be a sponsor of Cancer Support Community's Frankly Speaking About Cancer series. Morphotech and its parent company, Azi, are committed to human health care, and we recognize that patients and their families are the most important participants in the health care process. We salute our global advocacy partners who are devoted to improving the lives of people touched by cancer every day. 
follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. Welcome back to Frankly Speaking About Cancer. I'm your host, Kim Tibaldo. We're coming up on our last segment here on today's episode about stomach cancer. We've been uh, talking with Rachel Lopez, clinical research dietitian at the National Institutes of Health, Dr. Bill Shellman, gastrointestinal oncologist and USGI oncology lead at Lilly Oncology, and Debbie Zellman, president and founder of Debbie's Dream Foundation. Uh, this episode has been sponsored in part today by EMD Serono and Takeda Oncology. I, I want to go back to sort of this discussion around what's new, what's hot, tips, resources for patients, how they can get involved, you know, and make sure that their their voice is heard. So, um, you know, Debbie, I, I know we're working on a great project together, uh, the Cancer Experience Registry for Stomach Cancer. What, can you talk a little bit about that and really the importance of, of, of patients using that as a vehicle to make sure that their voice is heard? Absolutely. Um, yeah, this is something that we are partnering with, with the cancer support community on to um, – to hear from patients, their families, their friends, um, of how we can help them, how there can be other projects or resources that can be offered. I mean, Debbie's you know, Dream Foundation, Cancer Support Community, we know about a lot of issues that uh, stomach cancer patients face. We have a lot of resources that we do already offer, but it's really great to get involved. A lot of p- people say, how do I get involved? How do I help? This is a great way to get involved, a great way to help. They can go to cancerexperienceregistry.org or to debbystream.org and find out how to get involved. But by having your voice heard, here's the challenges I faced, here are the issues I had, by participating in that registry, we can help those patients, families, and caregivers even more. So I think it's really important to participate in that. Yeah, absolutely. And we encourage folks to join. And And I want to say that, you know, when you join the registry um, at, at cancerexperienceregistry.org, you're not just joining a registry. You're not just answering a bunch of questions. To be honest, you're joining a community. And, you know, when you do join, yeah, we want to hear from you. We want to hear about what your cancer experience is like, what your needs are. Um, where everybody's, you know, where we're falling down on the job and, and, and how we can do a better job. Um, but you're joining a community, and we're going to be sharing with you a lot of great and very valuable information that will be of value to you in your cancer journey. For example, we've got a great educational program called Frankly Speaking About Coping with the Cost of Care and Dealing with, the, you know, the, the, the financial impact of a cancer diagnosis. We've got materials about side effect management, a whole host of issues. And so um, we agree, and we're so thrilled to be partnering with Debbie and uh, on Debbie's Dream Foundation on this um, project, and we do want to encourage folks to join. Um, this this is the first kind of registry for stomach cancer of its kind, uh, so we encourage folks to join. I also want to mention, if you're a person with another kind of cancer, uh, any kind of cancer, you can join our registry today. And if you're the caregiver or loved one of someone with cancer, you can also join. We have a special registry for caregivers. So um, check us out there. Share your voice. Uh, let us learn from you and let us use that information to help others uh, who are also dealing with cancer. Um, Debbie, just remind folks about the foundation, where folks can find the information um, that you're offering and what resources are available. And I'm also going to ask Rachel and Dr. Shellman if there are other tips that they have, other places where patients can get um, information. But Debbie, let me start with you in the foundation. Yes, thank you. So 
first, of course, it, these days is the website. So debbiestream.org is where to go, and everything I'm talking about you can find on the website. So the first thing, and for patients, families, and caregivers who come to the website, the first thing to do is to go to the Information and Support tab. It's really rich with just so much information, starting off with Sonic Cancer 101, um, information from side effect management from what is stomach cancer, uh, what questions should I ask on my first visit, what is genetic testing, uh, what, what are the survival rates, what are clinical trials, um, things like that. So it's really rich with information. Um, of course, we, we do not give medical advice, and we always say it should stem, it should stir questions in your mind. You should be writing them down and bring them to your doctor or healthcare team, uh, nutritionist, et cetera, to ask about. Um, so that's the first thing that, that can help uh, newly diagnosed, as well mm-hmm. as our patient resource education program, which I mentioned earlier. It's really important. The third um, thing is, there, is the resource inquiry form. It's a really quick form to fill out. It goes to our office. You're matched very specifically with a mentor. You're matched by stage, by fire marker, by age. Lots of criteria, very right. carefully matched. Um, right. We've also had instances where Patients progress, unfortunately, from one stage to another, and then they're rematched with a new mentor. So I think that's mm-hmm. really important. In addition, mm-hmm. we have a support community. We have, and again, everything free. We have um, a lecture library. We have symposia. We have a, a symposium actually taking place, our sixth one, in South Florida on April 9th, and it's available internationally via webcast, and then all right. lectures are housed on our library. Right. And there's Terrific. a lot more, but I, I encourage everyone to look there. Absolutely. And we encourage folks to visit the site. Uh, Rachel, as we get to the end of the show, uh, quick tips for managing a healthy diet, uh, other advice that you have for other advice or resources for patients with stomach cancer. So Debbie mentioned a lot of great resources online and otherwise. I'll reiterate, you can find a dietitian online at eatright.org. Also, clinicaltrials.gov is a website to find clinical trials for people with gastric cancer. Terrific, terrific. Dr. Shelman, I know that, uh, that uh, you guys at Lilly are supporting um, uh, much of this work, you know, and investing in ensuring that patients are, are educated and have the information and resources that they need to navigate this diagnosis. Other tips that you may have? I think Debbie and Rachel uh, touched on many of the um, uh, important tips. Um, the one, the one thing I'd say is that um, look, also um, look for local resources. Many cancer centers and communities have um, support groups, um, cancer health psychologists, dietitians, certainly for patients and caregivers. Um, a diagnosis of gastric cancer can be frustrating, and, and it's important to understand that, that for caregivers um, and family members, they're in it as well. And as Rachel um, stated earlier, we often associate eating with wellness and socializing, and we have to recognize that this diagnosis and and all of the treatments affect a patient's ability to feel well, to eat, um, and that can be frustrating. And so also recognize that there are mechanisms to support um, family members and and caregivers, um, uh, and that that cultivates a a healthy relationship and and, um, also results in, I think, a a better experience for, for the family. Terrific, guys. Great, great tips, great advice for um, our listeners. I, I, I want to thank our guest today, Commander Rachel Lopez, uh, Dr. Bill Shellman, Debbie Zellman, 
for sharing your insight, your wisdom, these, this, these great tips and resources for patients who are dealing with the stomach cancer diagnosis and also resources for the family members and loved ones of these patients. Um, uh, and, and just as an important reminder, if you or a loved one is living with stomach cancer, help us learn more about the full impact of your experience by joining the Cancer Experience Registry at www.cancerexperienceregistry.org. We encourage you to, to do that. Again, we have a brand new special registry for patients with stomach cancer, and um, uh, but you can certainly join our registry regardless of what type of cancer you have. You can also join if you are the caregiver of someone with cancer. I want to thank you for joining us today for Frankly Speaking About Cancer. I'm your host, Kim Tebaldo from the Cancer Support Community. I just want to remind our listeners that at the Cancer Support Community, we provide a multitude of uh, in-person, online, and over-the-phone support for people with all cancers at any stage of disease and for their family members and loved ones. If you or someone you know is faced with a cancer diagnosis, you do not have to face that alone. Um, you can visit us at www.cancersupportcommunity.org. We've got centers all over the country where you can walk in uh, for a support group, for an education program, a nutrition program. You can call right now our helpline and talk to one of our counselors at 888-793-9355. They're uh, licensed counselors. They're ready to speak with you right now, 888-793-9355. I just want to mention that all of our services are free. Um, and uh, are available to you now. So thank you for joining us today. This is Frankly Speaking About Cancer. Until next time, be well, do well, live well. Thank you for joining us for Frankly Speaking About Cancer with your host, Kim Tibaldo. We're here for you every Tuesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. In the meantime, stay connected online at cancersupportcommunity.org. That's cancersupportcommunity.org. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.